Welcome to Jazz Avec Moi, the podcast where we will talk about everything from life, career, and entrepreneurship from a TCK perspective. My name is Michaela Mutoni, and I will be your host. Hello, beautiful people. So I figured that I would do something different for this episode. We're concluding Black History Month and starting Women's History Month. And I'm a Black woman. <laughs> Hello. No, but honestly, I hesitated a lot about doing it because for me, Black history and women's history is everyday history. But I also have to recognize and respect the fact that during these two months, a lot is done to uplift and highlight either amazing people that did great things in the past or amazing people that are doing great things today. So on that note, I wanted to highlight a couple of events that I went to last month and that I have been reflecting on and then share some of the lessons learned. So let's go. The first one was Advancing Women in STEM and it was by Yes Montreal. So Yes is an organization that was started around 1995 And their purpose at the time was to stop the outflow of young English speakers from Quebec. So a lot of young people were leaving Quebec and going to other provinces, especially, well, English speakers, because they felt like they couldn't get jobs here. And yeah, they, they were not really, or, or they couldn't start businesses. And if you are, but since then, their mission has sort of evolved to go beyond young people. So now they're still about helping people get jobs and get and start businesses, but they also focus on just like anybody from an underprivileged background. So like women, they also focus on immigrants and they're very active in Montreal. So they did this research that was on how can women get careers in STEM, but also stay in those careers rather than exit because they can't handle it. And they were sharing some of their, oh my God, that's not so bad. It's not that they can't handle it. Guys, as a woman in, in tech, it is tough. So sometimes you choose your mental health, man. Yeah. It's one thing to get a job, also as a black person. It's one thing to get a job, but it's also one thing to stay there and feel like you are going to grow and you're going to be supported and you're not going to be blocked because of different things, including bias. But anyways, so they were sharing some of their recommendations and they had brought a couple of companies that had taken those recommendations and tried implementing them in their organizations to share what the results were and what the lessons learned were. So for example, one of the use case or recommendation was to create safe spaces for women to be able to meet say like once a month at lunch, just to discuss some of the challenges that they are experiencing and just share them and see if people have like tips and tricks. And it might sound simple. And I was kind of surprised that they recommended that as an actual recommendation. But then after you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, all we need is other people telling us that we are not crazy and to validate that 
what we are experiencing is valid and hopefully they can give you <laughs> tips and advice on how to handle it. Yeah, because I know myself have called some friends like, can you please validate with me if I'm being ridiculous or not? So having a safe space makes actually a lot of sense. So I, I really like that one. And, and then the, the, the recruiter or the hiring, no, it was an HR person. The HR partner was saying how they did see a difference in the women. I think they had done a survey before saying, do you want to stay at the company? Like basically trying to measure like the intent to exit. And then before and then after, more people were trying to stay. So because they felt like they were supported by the organization and that the organization cared about them and that there was a path for them. Then another woman shared how for her, she even had to introduce the whole concept of diversity and inclusion in her organization. Her organization is a smaller organization and it's mostly Caucasian men. And so she knew that if she came and said like, guys, we're going to do this whole DNI thing. We're going to hire more women and nah, 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 that it wouldn't work and that people would block against it and they would feel threatened and they would feel that their jobs are threatened, etc., etc. And so she first started by just sort of conducting a survey, asking everybody, like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel marginalized or where do you think like we could do better as an organization? So her kind of saying that, I mean, I was a little bit annoyed, guys, to be honest with you, because really, like, do you think that us hiring more women or us hiring more Black people or us hiring more Indigenous people or more queer people means that you are going to lose your job? Honestly, it's not like you're going to be fired so that we can hire this person. It reminds me when I went, I was in business school and then this guy was complaining about how he didn't get into, what was it? I think it was, he didn't get into Wharton. And then he literally said that it's because they gave it to a black person. I was so annoyed. Comments like that just irk me because it's not true. (laughs) And we know it's not true. But I understand. Even that woman acknowledged it. She was like, I struggled a little bit with that decision to kind of go, I guess, soft. Because she knew that she wasn't addressing the problem in its entirety. And for example, this year is when they're going to talk about intersectionality. And so she was like, I know we're not really addressing the problem. But she was like, but then I also know that in the organization I'm in, I can't just come and say, this is what we're doing. She had to take a different approach to sort of introduce the idea. And now that the idea of, oh, diversity has been introduced and that they're talking the dif- about the different ways that they're different. Now we can talk about intersectionality and we can talk about, oh, okay, so not only do we need more women, but we also kind of need more black women or more indigenous women. You know what I mean? And I mean, I get it. I just don't like it. And I find it hard to accept. And I think it, it's been sort of part of why I am reluctant to join Business Women's Network. Even though my mentor is a white woman and she's great. And I do think we need white women or white people as mentors as well. <sighs> Maybe I should stop this rant. <laughs> ah, basically, my point is I was irked, but I understand what she was saying. I just have a hard time accepting it. But then I don't know how to reach people. You don't teach people empathy. So that's also been another one of my conclusions. We can relate to things 
because we either know people who have been through it or we have been through it. So you can't teach, how do you teach empathy to a person? It's like asking, if I give a simple example that everybody will understand, being a mom, I'm not a mom. So I don't understand yet the mom life. But once I become a mom, now I have a lot of friends that are moms. Once I become a mom, I will be like, oh my God, so this is what you meant. But you can't teach a man to feel like a woman or you can't teach a white person to feel like a black person or a straight person to feel like a queer person. So how do we bridge that gap? I don't know the answer, guys. I'm just thinking out loud because truly empathy, I think, is one of the connecting dots. But anyways, so that was an interesting one. And then the next event I went to was Money Moves, Building Wealth in the Black Community. It was an excellent event organized by the McGill Black alumni. They had great speakers from different backgrounds. They had one guy who's a speaker and he's in real estate. They had somebody who works in investment, investing on the stock market and such. They had somebody else who works in tech, but does investing on the side, investing in a lot of things. And then they had a woman who works for a fund. They give you money, basically, if you have a startup. And they, and then there was another woman who, she has an organization that organizes conference that highlights Black people. So great speakers with different point of views. And the conversation got heated at times, man. And in true Montreal fashion, it was English and French. So you kind of figure it out. If there was one person was speaking French and one person was speaking English, and we kind of made sure that everybody understood what was going on. One interesting fact that I took from that conversation was how money is spent. So when we look at how money moves, and this was a study that was done in the U.S. back in 2015, money spent six hours in the African-American community in the U.S. In the white communities, Caucasian communities, it spent 17 days. So we're going from six hours to 17 days. In Jewish communities, approximately 20 days. And in Asia communities, guys, a dollar circulates for a month. A month. And think about it, though. If you go to an Asian supermarket, they are probably going to go and then they're going to shop at the, another Asian supermarket. They're going to eat at an Asian restaurant. They're going to then go to an Asian laundromat. <laughs> then they're going to go get their nails done at an Asian nail salon or hair salon. So it stays in the community for a month. And in the Black community, it's, it stays for six hours, which means that even if, let's say, I go to a Black supermarket or a, uh, the African stores, you know, or if I go to a Black nail tech, within six hours, it will have left the community. So I kind of had to sit with that for a little bit because it's kind of staggering, six hours in a month. And part of it comes from how we spend money. I will be the first to say that I love Amazon Prime. <laughs> ah, no shame. Well, a little bit of shame, but I love Prime. Let's be honest. I, I love Prime and I recognize all of the different ways that Amazon is problematic, but it is also very convenient for my life. I can order anything and have it at my door within two days in Canada. When I was in New York, you could get it the same day. And so let's be real, guys. Convenience is king. And the lesson learned from that was just that we just have to be very intentional 
And we just have to plan. You have to know like what are the businesses that you want to invest your money in, know them first, speak into them, do your research, and then just be intentional about shopping there. For example, there are a few brands that I follow on Instagram and then when they have sales, oh, maybe I can buy something now. Uh, because we also talked about the, the cost of doing business. The cost of doing business is much higher. Why would I not go to an H&M and, or any other like big store if I know I can get the same t-shirt that was $40 for $10, you know, and, and that's a real situation. And so it's all about planning, I guess. Planning, if you know you're going to do groceries on Saturdays, so being a bit intentional about where you buy certain parts of your groceries. If you follow some brands or some businesses, being mindful and knowing like, this is when I'm going to spend the money and such. It really does require intention and practice. So I'm not saying I'm going to stop using Amazon because that would be a lie. I will pay more attention to how I spend money and with who. So for example, right now, my nail tech is black, actually. It was a real example. But maybe I can find other ways. Maybe like a black doctor or I don't, my, my therapist is black too. It's a black woman. Think of ways that you can contribute to the local economy. Actually, even small businesses, guys. Small businesses, ideally small black businesses, small minority businesses, but small businesses in general because they can actually really impact people's lives in your community. I believe that. And then the next event was the future of tech is black. And so this one was at my work and it was organized by this organization called the Black Professionals in Tech Network. And I got to meet some interesting people and I do hope some of them end up in my company. And the interesting thing is, so I was there as a diversity inclusion ambassador, aka I just want to hire all the minorities, especially Black people. And so first, let me tell you a story of how I became a diversity and inclusion ambassador. So last year, BPTN had a conference, okay? So I think I mentioned, just changed roles at the beginning of the year. So 2019, I was a part of a different organization of the same company. And I was literally, I think, one of the only Black person, Black woman in an organization of 200 people. And obviously, I was not interacting with the 200 people every day, but on and off. But being the only Black person, guys, especially as a woman, is a bit tough because there were some moments of just pure bias. And that's the other thing I think is hard about about being a minority at work is that sometimes it's just bias. And sometimes you can just tell that the person just doesn't know better. It's something if someone is trying to be mean and they're trying to really like make your life miserable, then you can really be pissed about it and you can go complain to HR. You can do something about it. And it's something else when they don't know. I'm not saying that them not knowing is right or it's, it's not, but when you realize that they don't know and they're just unaware, for me particularly, it kind of takes away the anger because I realize like, oh, you're just, you, you just don't know better. And then that's when you make the decision of, do I educate them or do I just let it go? And I know that this discussion is old. You can find a lot of think pieces about it on the internet. But for me, for the most part, I have decided to let it go because I am not going to start this conversation because I am the one who's going to be upset and they're not even going to get it. 
So I don't have that energy, but I have decided to recruit a lot of black. That's my personal mission (laughs) because I know that when they are recruiting, People ask in their networks, I've seen it happen. People are like, oh, so do you know anybody? Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody? But if your network is not diverse, then you're not going to hire diverse people. So my personal mission, I work is to hire or at least introduce excellent black people and say, add these people to your pipeline, please. So going back to my original point. So last year, this conference, this BPTN, Black Professionals in Tech Network, is having a conference, right? The first, it's kind of like Afrotech in the US, if you know. So it's like the first professionals in tech net uh, conference, the first one ever in Canada, and all the companies are jumping on it. And we have to also be there. We can't say we want a diverse workforce and we are not where all these Black people are. So reach out to one of the organizers and I asked her for the sponsorship package. And I then reach out to our diversity inclusion person in the U.S. Hey, this conference is happening in Canada. It was the, I reached out to like the head. And that's the other thing too, guys. If you work in a big company like I do, most likely your headquarters is in the U.S. If your headquarters is in the U.S., that means that most of the activity is going to be focused in the U.S. And so if you want to do something in Canada for your Canadian counterparts, it is kind of left to Canadian employees to do it. Anyways, so I emailed the lady and I'm like, hi, I don't know if you know, but this conference is happening. I think we would be great candidates. We should be sponsors. It would be good for us and we should go hire people. Oh yes, I actually did get this email from someone else. So let's all three of us get on the call together and discuss it. And this was another guy who is actually based in Toronto and, and was already a diversity and inclusion ambassador. Before that, I had not really paid attention to being a diversity and inclusion ambassador because I was like, uh, what do they do? And I do 50 things. That's another lesson to learn I'm going to talk about in a second. But so we have that conversation and then we decide that, okay, we're going to be one of the sponsors and we're going to go ahead with this. So then she's like, Michaela, you should be a diversity and inclusion ambassador because to be part of the team basically for this conference. I'm like, okay, I'm already doing the work anyways. If doing it with the name of diversity and inclusion ambassador, why not? Let's do it. So I become a DNI ambassador, okay? So then going back to the event that I was talking about, the Future of Tech is Back event. So now I'm there as a DNI ambassador and I'm trying to talk to people and recruit them. I do hope some of them end up at work and we will see how that goes. But As I was sitting there, I was thinking about all the cool things that we could do at work. So for example, the good thing about being, rather than me running rogue, doing my own thing on the side, me now being part of the DNI network gives me, I guess, access to some some funding and some access. And actually, if you go back to the episode that I did with Fabiola, uh, one of the earlier ones, she talks about that, about how if you're part of an organization, you can do much more than if you're trying to do things on your own. That was an excellent episode. So now as DNI, I can organize events. And so, so for example, I can organize an event. Let's have your pictures taken for your LinkedIn. And I could go get a black photographer and have them come into my office and take pictures for people on LinkedIn. 
And that's a way of supporting somebody in the community. You know, there's a few, a lot of other things as well I, I could do, right? But then uh, I was also thinking, what do I focus on? Because I also wanted to, at one point, start the Black Employee Network because we still don't have a Black Employee Network in Canada. And I obviously feel some type of way about that. Do I do it? But then if I do it, that means I'm, I am not doing something else that I could be doing. So which brings me to my three key takeaways. The first one, after going to all these three events, and just, I guess, I've been doing a lot of reflection the last couple of months, I guess, especially now that I'm, I changed roles, so I need to kind of present myself differently. Every time you start a new role, people ask you to introduce yourself. So I'm still working on my 30-second pitch. But what is your personal brand? And, and when I mean personal brand, I mean both at work and in your life. How do people see you? You can be doing a lot of things, but who actually knows what you're doing? And does it align with your goals? So, for example, one of my goals this year is to start speaking. I love sharing. I love speaking. I think the podcast is a great idea. But I would also just like to speak at events, speak on panels, maybe moderate. But who knows that? Nobody. Well, now you guys know. (laughs) But I haven't really said that before. And if I don't say that, then how are people supposed to know that I want to speak? So what's your personal brand? How do you control the messaging around who you are? And how does it really align with what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve? in your life, whether it's this year or over the next five years. The second point, my second key takeaway is recognize where our privilege is. So as I mentioned on a previous episode, now I'm Canadian, yay. And guys, I almost went to Germany. My trip got got canceled, but that's something else. And I did not check the visa requirements until a day before. That's privilege. A day before, guys, and I think that was the Rwandan in me that was like, you cannot just double check, man. You can't be going for work and then <laughs> you're bounced because you didn't check your visa requirements. But I was quite sure that I was fine. The same way that back in at the beginning of last year, I got to go to Hong Kong within a week because I was Canadian. You know what I mean? And so that's a privilege. Before I would have had to go ask for a visa, presented all of my bank documents, plus a letter from work explaining that I'm not going to try and stay there forever. So recognize that. My other privilege is I went to an expensive ass business school, but that name has opened doors for me. And so I say this because someone asked that question during the future of tech is black. Do companies look at schools and what if you didn't go to like an Ivy League or what if you didn't go to a McGill or a University of Toronto or something? And uh, the recruiter kind of was like, yes. (laughs) And it's true, they do. But I didn't like what she said. She basically said that Yes, they do, because that's where the best talent goes. And it's true that the smart people go there. Yes, the best talent, but I would put the best talent plus they could afford to go there or the best talent plus they were crazy enough to take on student loans. There are other very smart people out here who maybe did not go to an Ivy League because of different other reasons. So if I know that, 
how can I get other people that I know are very smart and did not go to like the biggest schools an opportunity, you know, like open the door for them. That's, that's definitely one thing. And then the next point is where can you have the most impact with the resources that you have? So for example, I want to be involved in everything. And I think a lot of people that are passionate uh, for the betterment of their communities are so for example I want to still have this podcast and speak to like really cool and interesting people and uplift them and hopefully they also get to uplift other people as well I want to hire black people at work like I said also wanted to volunteer in a women's shelter even though I think that one I've accepted that I'm not going to do it but I also work more than 40 hours a week I am learning my new job and I have a personal life guys so I can't do it all and I know I cannot do it all and I think I just have a hard time accepting that. So now the exercise which I'm doing and which I guess I'm asking you guys to do or encouraging you guys to do is to look at where can you have the most impact with the resources that you have and But also where can you, I guess, what do you really care about? You know, like what brings you the most joy and the most fulfillment? So for example, I could go and start a Black Employee Network at work. And and let's say I give up the podcast for that. I'm not going to give up the podcast, but let's say I give up the podcast for that. I don't think I would be happier because yes, okay, now I have a Black Employee Network, but now I'm fighting the powers to be to help retain us and encourage us and give us sponsors and all of this stuff. But, and it's all worth it. And I wish somebody would do it. But I think for me personally, I find more joy being positive. I'm not fighting the system. I'm just kind of creating more opportunities and amplifying other people who are doing different things. So the podcast, first, I like it better because it, it goes past my job. I can talk about anything I want. I can interview whoever I want that is in, that I think has an interesting story to tell. But it is also, I would really love it for it to be a global initiative because we have Africans all over the world. So the vision for it is stronger and is bigger than the company where I currently work at, which is why I'm prioritizing it. But I also have a hard time accepting that I'm not doing the other thing. So if you guys have any advice for accepting <laughs> that we cannot do it all and advice on how you make peace <laughs> with the fact that what you're doing is enough or is more than enough, just let me know. Let me know. And please share your ideas and your thoughts on this episode. Did you like the format? Do you want me to do sort of more reflections? Do you want me to do reflections with people? Was it boring? Should I just stop on interviews? Okay, don't tell me that. <laughs> but yeah, let, let me know your thoughts, man. Like, I feel like I've been talking to myself for the last 25 minutes. So let me know your thoughts. And then, yes, my three key takeaways. What's your personal brand? Does it align with your goals? How do you recognize our privilege? And how can we use it to help other people? And where can we have the most impact with the resources that we have? I hope that this episode was encouraging 
and that it continues to encourage you to do whatever you can do in your community. Thank you so much. Bye. What did you think of the conversation that you just heard? Don't hesitate to leave us comments on the Facebook group or on the website, jazzadikmar.com. As the old adage goes, sharing is caring. So if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, like, and subscribe. Until next time, keep striving, keep thriving, and keep shining.